It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to ATL Day Ones with Jarvis said to Nietzsche. Coming up on today's show, there is a position group for the Atlanta Falcons that has a lot of pressure to perform in 2023. And Nikola Jokic may have put on a clinic last night, but you know who needs to learn today? Mike Malone. And last but not least, and for the culture, EA Sports has finally figured it out. Yay! We'll talk about all that next right here on ATL Day Ones. Uh, let's go. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. I want to start by saying thank you for making ATL Day One your first listen of the day. Remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And wherever you download your podcast, make sure that you leave us a five-star review. Really appreciate that from you in advance. It is ATL Day One's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But, T, when you think about all of the moves that the Falcons have made to round out the back end of their roster, I, you know, you understand, like, some of those guys are going to be special teams guys, and, you know, uh, and some of those guys will be guys that might actually end up making the final 53. But I think, t- ultimately, Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith will be judged by the 22 guys that are starting on offense and defense. And one of the things that I feel like, you know, for the Falcons is, is a certain position group that has to improve. That, and and it, they really have no choice. And and I think that's the, the DB room for me. And and I definitely want to get your thoughts on that because here's why. Because I feel like there was a lot of money invested, starting with Jesse Bates. And then you traded for Jeff Okuda. Then you brought in the Mike Hughes. All of those guys are guys that you have, you have to look to and, and they have to come in and perform. So I think that that is a, a a group that it has a lot of pressure on them in 2023 to perform to what what say you yeah I, I can agree with you on that one because I think that the only known really known of that secondary is AJ Terrell right absolutely because yeah, we're absolutely. still wondering I think we saw shades right of Richie Grant I think we've seen yep. shades of Jalen Hawkins and I'm talking about the guys who suited up for the Falcons last, last, last season year, yeah. but to absolutely. your point other than really to me, AJ, all of them are question marks, every last one of them. So, yeah, I think that might be a group that maybe has to be the most improved from where they were last year. And the other piece is this. You probably have to be the most improved because you don't have Casey Hayward. You know, you decided to part ways with him and understandably so. So, yeah. And then I think so. But one of the things that I kind of don't want to sound like I'm splitting hairs, but I do think there's a difference in the group that has to be the most improved and the group that will actually be the most improved. So yeah, I could go with has to probably would be the secondary, but actually will. I'm going to just give that defensive front. I'm, I'm just going to, yes, I'm going to give yes, them a, I'm, yeah, for me, yes. that's my thumbs up. Like I just <laughs> yes. believe in them. I just yes. believe in yes. them. Yeah. And you know, maybe I'll even, you know, go all out and say, okay, front seven, right. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, yeah. Go with the whole front seven, but you can't, like Calais Campbell, David Onyemata. Mm-hmm. We've been asking and begging and pleading for Grady to get some help. Grady's got some help. 
right? So that's where when, you know, I kind of sit around and I think you and I have talked about this offline, right? Where Mm -hmm. you have this whole concept of edge and it's really going to be the bottom line is who the heck is going to put their hands in the dirt, right? And who the heck is going to affect the quarterback, you know? So to me, it's like, okay, guy who puts his hand in the dirt, how are you going to shut things down at the line of scrimmage? And I think that group, I just feel like that's going to be the most improved group. Yeah, they. I feel like that. Yeah, because look at looking at this roster last year and what when, when, when who they had, they were running out there. You know, you know, no offense to any of those guys that you know are no longer on this team, but like those guys didn't produce. Like as a group, they did not produce. And I think that you bringing in guys like David Onyemata who is a guy who can help stop that run and, and yes. be a guy that can kind of deter teams from doubling, tripling team and Grady from time to time. So he can take some of that and the, or, or they still double team him and he get the single block guaranteed, which he's probably used to. I'm sure he's used to, you know, getting that those double teams as well when he played mm-hmm. for the, the new Orleans Saints. Thanks, so yeah. if he's getting that one-on-one blocking, like, dude, and you need to eat. It's time to yeah. eat. So I, so I, you have you add Calais Campbell like you mentioned into the occasion, and also uh, equation. Excuse me, uh, Bud Dupree as well. All of those guys are guys who have performed at, at some point in their career. So okay. I feel like I'm looking at it like that. That you say so about Bud Dupree, but okay. <laughs> I know you feel a little. T- he had he had a double deck, double digit sack season. T he did. He I'm did sorry, have one? one. Did you say one? <laughs> I said, oh. I'm sorry, guys. You know, a Steeler fan. But but I'm going to give him credit. Like, yeah, he could have a total bounce back here. Okay, fine. And if we can give an honorable mention for the group that, you know, has to be the most improved, Mm. I would say on offense, right? Like, Mm. the group that has to most improve and probably will be, to me, one and the same, the O-line. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm just going to say they – they will be the one that, that has to be the most improved because everything else is going to be a trickle down from them. But I also give them, I think they will be. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, and that goes to an episode, you know, a previous episode when we talked about, you know, who has the most pressure to perform as far as, you know, the draft picks. And, and I said Matthew Bergeron. And I like, agree. I think you. you you agree with me. So, you know, by the way, if you guys missed it, go and check it out because you, you never know. Like you, can, you might miss something when you don't check us out every day. Um, but I think that when you move up, you know, to, uh, to draft a guy and you say, hey, this guy played this position and he's going to move and play this position that he's never played in the game before. You know, he has some work down there in the senior bowl playing, um, playing left, playing guard, but that doesn't count. To be honest with you, like he can get a good feel for what to expect down there, but. It's it's a difference being at being in actual games and actually getting that getting that experience that you need so you can understand what's going to what you what to expect for seventeen games. So yeah, I think that area has to improve because look at they've already set the expectation. They well, were yeah, number we three rushing team in the camp. league last year, yeah. <laughs> you know and we saw it at camp last week where he lined up at left guard. Every snap we saw exclusive exclusively. So yeah, those are some of the things that I feel like. Um, that that's the good honorable mention when you talk about the, a group that has to improve, like you know what I'm saying. So, and that's asking a lot because, like I said, they were a really good running football team. But then you added Bijan Robinson into the equation as well, so it's it's a lot of pressure. But I think you know overall though that defensive side of the football is where a lot of eyeballs will be once the season starts, especially ATL day ones. <laughs> you can guarantee that. Um, speaking of 
you know, a, a, another Atlanta team, the Atlanta Braves. They took a L last night, T, and, uh, you know, I was kind of feeling some type of way, but I think there was some, some a silver lining that I feel like both of you, you and I feel like kind of stood out. So, you know, Jared Schuster, he was able to hold it down until the fourth inning rolled around. And he gave up three runs in the 7-4 loss to the Texas Rangers. But do you feel like Schuster is a guy that he did well enough for him to stay up? On this roster, T? Could be. Definitely could be. Yeah. I think it's a back and forth between Schuster and Dodd. And then there was a guy, uh, forgive me for not remembering the name, I just say hyphen guy, who was brought up, <laughs> <laughs> who was actually promoted to, to AAA. So I think that's a good thing for the Braves because then that gives that competition to say, hey, if your name isn't Charlie Morton, Spencer Strider, or Bryce Elder, you're not safe. The yeah. end, right? So yeah. I think that's a good look. I think he did just enough. The only thing I would have preferred is if maybe, not that we ever wanted to give up runs, Jarvis, but if he's going to give up two or three runs, it would have been great to get that in the fifth inning because then yeah. as, the further you can stretch the starter, the less you stress the bullpen. And granted, I think it was Joe oh, Jimenez who ended up, Dylan Lee got charged with the three runs, but right, right. Jimenez put him in trouble. So mm-hmm. when I that's the only thing that I, I had a slight knock on. I was like, gosh, if you could have just lasted like, you know, five, like deep into the fifth inning, I think that would have been good. But yeah, I still think he didn't do poorly. He got three uh, strikeouts and just one walk. Not bad. Not bad yeah. at all. So just enough. Unfortunately, boy, if we could have had some of those 12 runs from game one, right. transfer right. over to game two, yeah. this wouldn't even be a conversation. <laughs> but it just didn't uh, quite happen like that. Although... Once again, the same guys we talk about every day, including Ronald Acuna Jr. and Sean Murphy. I mean, they try to kind of help them out the comeback with both of them, I think, getting their 10th home runs of the season, but not quite giving them what they need. And to that point, that goes back to a point that you've been trying to make throughout the last several weeks. If the Braves could give that run support earlier, then that also takes a lot of the pressure off of that young pitcher, right? Yes, so I, absolutely. I believe, yeah, I believe last night was a great example of what late runs and lack of run support might do to put pressure on that young pitcher and maybe make him a little bit less stable than we would have hoped. And the pressure's going to be on Spencer Strider tonight to get it done because I feel like even though they took the L, you know, hey, it's 1-1. This is the rubber match. We're going to figure out what's to get this series win because that's what Brian Snicker has always consistently talked about is, hey, the idea is to come in and win the series, whatever that looks like. And if they sweep, cool. If they just, you know, uh, if they have they, – all they want to do is just win more games than they actually, their opponents. So, uh, and I think that they have an opportunity to do that tonight with Spencer Strider. And I feel like this feels like one of those games that Spencer Strider is going to be able to say, you know what – I'm going to go ahead and uh, take over this bad boy and close the deal on here and, and be the ace of this staff as they are on demand. Yeah, sending them <laughs> home on a high note. Absolutely. So, and, what, 410 game stretch? And Lord knows, like, they haven't been that great at home, but I think this will be a good time. the late special works better than the noon one, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, no doubt about it. So this will definitely be uh, a good time to um, get started on having a home field advantage, uh, so to speak. So, yeah. Yeah, Braves. Spencer, go and get this dub tonight, and then come on back home, and let's get started on another win streak. Now, T, coming up next, uh, you mentioned Michael Malone. We'll talk a little NBA playoffs. Um, Sir, you have some uh, questions that need to be answered. But first, we're going to talk about our folks over at 
built bar because guess what, guys? I just came back from the gym, and guess what I went to as soon as I walked into the house? I went into my little stash, and I found a built bar because it is the number one protein that bar that you can actually get down because it actually tastes good because I've tried bar, built bars, not built bars, excuse me, protein bars, and some have been chalky, just been horrible, big and bulky, and all, it's just hard to chew and all that stuff. I just don't need all of that when I'm going to the gym or I'm coming back from the gym. But you got the built puffs. Oh, man, they got all the flavors that you want. I'm talking about from the churro to the peanut butter brownie, you know, to the coconut if you're into that sort of thing. I'm not, but, you know, if you are, hey, they got it right there just for you. So all we got to do is let me tell you how you can get them because we've been telling you to go to built.com. Yeah, you still go there. That's all good. But guess what? Now you can go and go and get a brick and mortar. You can go into Sam's Club. If you go to go to like to go to Sam's Club and you like to get the big boy box, because that's what I do. I'm a big man, so I gotta get the big box. So that's what I'm gonna do. So you can go to Sam's Club. But if you want to get a like a little per se to put in your glove compartment and everything, so you can get pop that bad boy open as soon as you get out of the gym, you can go to Walmart and get you a four bar box. So head there today and stop playing around. Stop playing around with your life and get your life together and join T T and I as we get on this path to sexiness for summer. And, you know, I'm walking around my shirt off. I don't know what T going to do because I I ain't going to tell what she going to do. No, no. See? Yeah, go to Built.com. That's what you all should do. Well, what we're going to do now, so that all that discomfort in the room just goes away, is talk yes. about Nikola Jokic, because yes. he definitely absolutely made the joker. everybody, yes. to me, he made the country feel comfortable about who he is and what he brings to the table, but he certainly made the Lakers feel uncomfortable, put on an absolute clinic last night. And I got to say this, Anthony Davis low-key put on a clinic too now, yes. losing effort, because Buckets. Anthony Davis Andy. did mm-hmm. just what the Lakers needed him to do, which is, hey, we're going to put... Rui Hachimura on Nikola Jokic, especially late, right? And right. AD, we're going to ask you, we're going to switch you to any and everybody, and no assignment was too big or too small for him. So yeah. him getting 40 and 10, you know, his double-double, three steals, that really, even maybe more so than what LeBron was able to do, put them in, in the position where they came back from a 21 deficit, 21-point deficit to just being down three points before, coach, of course, the Joker takes over. Speaking mm-hmm. of that, my God, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was the most unbelievable 34 points ever because he was just shooting from wherever, 21 rebounds. He was everywhere and 14 assists. And that's important, Jarvis, because there wow. were so many times where he could have just gotten his. Like, he could have had 50 last night, but yeah. he chose to distribute the ball. The importance of that is when the game gets tight down the stretch, your team already knows that you trust in them. And he even made a comment post game, by the way, where he said when Lisa Salters asked him about how he felt about that comeback. And he was like, yeah, you know, we weathered the storm. We're a good team. They're a good team. But we also have to trust ourselves. We can't play hero ball. Now, why am I going on and on about that, Jarvis? Because who I wanted to talk about, who seemingly did not tap into his basketball IQ, which you know is my favorite term because that's what should always dictate your play in crunch situations in crunch situations is Mike Malone. Mm-hmm. I thought to, it, it got so bad to the point where I was like, well, we've talked about Darvin Ham and how good he is at being able to make halftime or in-game adjustments, right? right? It was so bad until I said to myself, 
I almost switched my picks. You and I made picks on Sports Extra. Mm-hmm. You went Classic, Lakers Celtics. I went Nuggets Celtics. I almost switched it up because Mike Malone, Jarvis, <laughs> better figure it out. Better figure it out fast. If not for a couple of key defensive plays yeah. and then making free throws down the stretch, that game would have been squandered. And you let LeBron James win a game one, he's not losing the series. Yeah, and 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 that's the thing, right? Because that's that's why I kind of like, you know, I look at the talent from. Uh, that's why I made my pick based off the talent because. I don't, I'm not necessarily in love with Mike Malone and Joe Mazzulla. You know, I feel like Joe Mazzulla got exposed in the, in the Hawks uh, series. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when you think about, you know, expecting those guys to make the necessary adjustment, and you got Eric Spolster, who's an amazing coach, and we already know that, you know, they Boston better not come half-stepping or Miami might jump off in their, in their, in their residence as well. So I, I think that, you know, overall, though, it's – when you get into these series like these and you have guys, you have superstars, you have guys that can carry a game and kind of hide your deficiencies. And I think that's what, you know, that's what ended up happening last night with, when it comes to the different nuggets against the Lakers. So for me, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to what type of adjustments that he makes in the, in the game too, because we know that he can figure out how to, you know, keep the ball from, uh, from rolling, rolling away from them uh, in that particular in game one. So I'm really interested to see how it ends up turning out for, for the Nuggets going forward because, like you said, you got LeBron. You have Anthony Davis. LeBron is a coach within himself. And you talk about Darvin Ham as well. He's one of those bud assistants. And we know how those bud assistants, you know, they, they got a pretty good reputation around the league. So I, I think that it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out going forward with you know, Malone making those adjustments because he has a guy, though. He got a dude. He got a dude and Joker that just will hide all of everything. Yeah. He's just a big old, uh, a big old umbrella, T. Like, he's like, yeah. just let me, let me, let me get my, um, let me lean on my umbrella to, to hide my, uh, my, my unnecessary or necessary adjustments. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's the other thing uh, that Mike Malone is going to have to figure out. Like, I do understand you want your players to play their way out of a lull like they had last night, but I felt like there were two opportunities for him to call timeouts and reset before yeah. it ever got to single digits, right? Right. Their lead was whittled away. And that's another thing that I feel like Darvin Ham called his timeouts at appropriate times. Yeah, they didn't get the, the W, but if the game keeps going like this in terms of that chess match between the coaches and then the chess match between the two play- best players, even if they're not guarding one another, the two best players or the three best players you want to throw AD in there. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Jarvis. We might be having a conversation about me being a turncoat and picking the Lakers because of, <laughs> if I keep saying this. But anyway, got another one that I think we both think is going to be a barn burner tonight, Celtics and Heat. Mm-hmm. Tee it off, and oh, my goodness. that Now, that one I'm very intrigued by because I, I think you hit the nail on the head. There were some things that Joe Missoula showed in the Hawks series that said, hey, maybe you're not at that perch yet. And the one guy who can take advantage of it is Eric Spolstra, the, uh, the guy on the sidelines, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler is the guy on the court who can actually take advantage of it. But when I tell you, I'm looking at the stats for Jason Tatum so far this season, right? And Jimmy Butler. Now, Jimmy Butler, 22.9, almost 23 points a game, six rebounds, five assists. His numbers in every category have gone up slightly. Jason Tatum, 
numbers, blowing all his numbers out of the water, blowing his 30 points a game out of the water, blowing his nine, nearly nine rebounds out of the water and his nearly five assists. You want to talk about a player that's playing out of his mind and I think is truly on mission. He, I think, is going to be, I think he's going to want to set the stage and send a message tonight. I really, really believe that we're going to see the Jason Tatum show. Not that Jimmy Butler's not going to have a night, but watch Jason Tatum work. Yeah, JT has been really establishing himself as one of those dudes. And I know people are probably saying, like, well, Jarvis, we knew Jason Tatum good. No, this been hitting a little different. Like, yeah. the conversation is different when it comes to Tatum. Like, he even after the game, he was talking about, yeah, I'm that dude. Like, you don't hear people talk like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe LeBron will kind of do it in a roundabout way, you know, in, a, in an interview or a post-game interview or whatever but like that. But for him to come out and say that, and then for him to come out and do what he did in game seven. And I was literally expecting him to do that because yes. When, yes. When, when you have Philadelphia, the Philadelphia 76ers not take advantage of him going one for 14 and allow him to go off in the fourth quarter. That's that spells all the trouble that you need, need, need to know about because Tatum is a guy that he's not just going to sit back. Like he's built in the image or the likeness of Kobe Bryant. Like that's his mindset. So when you have a guy like that start talking like that, and then he goes out and performs the, the next game like he did in that game seven, like I wholeheartedly understand. I'm not saying he's going to drop 50, but this dude is going to be locked in tonight uh, uh, against the Miami Heat. Yeah, I believe so too. And yeah, Jason Tatum is so bad that he literally st- – he took somebody's job, Doc Rivers. And so, yes. you know, you look at – what he's been able to do. And yeah, he, I believe, like you said, all of us knew he was very good, if not great, but the greatness has been on display consistently. And also Jalen Brown, I still say he was the most consistent player. May not have been the best player in the last series, but was mm. by far the most consistent. And even in the Hawks series, he was the most consistent player. So expect him if he stays consistent, then yeah, it's going to be a long series for the heat. I still believe it's a seven game series, but we'll see. Now, the other thing that I thought was interesting is this, you know, when you are a champion or when you have a dynasty going, even when things have moved on, there's still going to be commentary and thoughts about what happened. And that's what we see with the Golden State Warriors. Very right. interesting and compelling comments that have come out of their camp recently from both Steve Kerr and Draymond Green, where they acknowledge, Steve acknowledges, yeah, there were some chemistry issues that date back to training camp when Draymond Green sucker punched Jordan Poole and the team as a whole Duh. never got past it. Draymond Duh. Green said he knew. The minute he punched that guy in the face, that it was the worst thing ever. And it took months before he could even speak freely because he knew how much he impacted the game. And it just really made me think, okay, you did this in 2016. That's exactly how a 3-1 lead in the NBA finals turns into LeBron James bringing the Cavaliers their first championship, bring you know the city of Cleveland their first NBA ring. Right. So I just wonder about that, Jarvis. They're looking at the possibility of who who are you going to bring back? Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, et cetera. But does that kind of thing make you look at it and say, hmm, is it time to kind of end this for Draymond Green? Is this the end of our run? Because you're never really going to be able to rebuild this team to be the great one it was last year and in, in the initial run? Or, or as a former athlete, do you have an experience where it's like, yeah, it derails you a little bit, but you can eventually get back on track? Oh, uh, a- absolutely not. Like, there's no way, there's no repairing this because guess what? 
Pooh, uh, Mr. Pooh, uh, Ron Johnson from Different World. Like, check him out. Check out a picture. That man looks just like Ron Johnson T. <laughs> so he, he's on the contract for you know the next few years. So he's not he's not going anywhere. And Draymond Green, he's getting he's getting up there in age. Like he had one game where he kind of looked like his old self um, in that series. So it, it like you have to understand like especially when you have incidents like a fight, right? Because there was one one time. I was playing on a team and we were bad. And we it just came all came to a head. All the frustration that we had, it just built up over the season. Then it came to a head when we played we were playing up in uh, Pennsylvania, Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Podunk, Pennsylvania. Yeah. We were up there and something just popped off. And then, you know, next thing you know, like I'm doing the I'm giving them the 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 middle finger salute, you know, as I'm walking off the field because I just got to fighting with, you know, the the other the opposing team. So and it just spiraled after that. Like it just went all down here. I think we we probably didn't even win a game for the rest of the season because I, those things like things like that when they happen, like I know people try to say, "Oh, it's all good. They're professionals." No, man. They still human human beings though. Like Jordan Poole, I promise you, that dude still think about that. Every time he saw Draymond, he ain't because guess what? It was all on social media. Everybody was talking all that trash. Like, man, you gonna let him punch you like that? You gonna let him punch you like that? All those, all that stuff comes up. And you, if you think we're we're saying it, you know they're saying it. You know people in the locker room are saying that certain guys will be able to get away with that. So that locker room dynamic, once that went down, I just knew for a whole fact that more than likely. Like with the diminishing returns on the on a talent level and Clay and Dre, like and, and then this whole incident, I just knew that it was more than likely those guys weren't gonna be able to pull this off again. That was yeah, that, yeah. that was the last that was the last hurrah. Uh, I, yeah, I feel like it year. was yeah. as well. And granted, I know people said that six years ago, and then last year they shocked the world and won five years, you know, removed from the dynasty. But I still say it just feels like i don't know if you can bounce back from this one but hey everydayers what do you guys say i mean do you think it's a situation where possibly the warriors can retool things whether they retool it by finding a way to offload jordan Poole in his contract or is it a day where they say "Mm, draymond that might have been the last straw interesting to hear what you guys say and you can even relate it to the hawks and how we've seen some of the chemistry challenges they've had and how that's played itself out onto the court whatever you do we just want you to comment because that means you are watching we appreciate you so don't forget to keep watching atl day ones on youtube and don't forget to download us wherever you get your podcast every day or we always appreciate you but T, this is for the culture. It is the intersection between sports, entertainment, the culture, and sometimes whatever the hell we want to talk about. Because that's just how we get down on the show. Today is no different. T, EA Sports has finally come to their senses. They figured it out. They figured out a plan to bring back the college football game. And when you think about how this came about, you know, the whole Ed O'Bannon, you know, he sued, um, sued, um, sued the EA Sports and and then that just whole that's just whole it just spiraled into a whole bunch of things, right? And 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 I think that but EA Sports now, they have figured out a way to um for the players, they can opt in. They don't have to be on the game if they don't want to. But if they choose to opt into the game, which comes out um in twenty twenty four, um, they will be compensated. Now they're just still trying to figure out the compensation, but I, I, I think this is a good thing, T, because you know, when you think about, you know, the whole NIL deals and all that stuff and guys getting all this money, I don't think that EA Sports is going to have to fork over as much money 
uh, as they probably would have and come out with this game before the whole NIL situation came about. Yeah, I like it as another stream of revenue for yep. individuals who are going to get their name, image, and likeness utilized. So I think that's cool. And I think it's good for EA Sports to recognize, hey, that's what this could potentially be, but we know that we're going to make enough revenue off of it that, hey, we'll share the revenue. I think also it'll be interesting to see, to your point, how they're going to structure how the players who participate, who opt into the NIL space and say, hey, you can use my image, how are they going to determine who gets you know the brunt of that pay? I think about it from maybe this season as an example, right? Where mm-hmm. uh, Caleb Williams, right, wins the Heisman and yeah. Stetson Bennett is in fourth place, but Stetson Bennett wins a championship. So if they were both coming back next season, who gets the, you know, who who gets the most money? And how do you make that determination, if you will? So yeah, if you're a Heisman candidate or you you win the Heisman, like why shouldn't I give you getting paid more? Exactly. (laughs) That's my point. Yep. Right. Because if if I'm the individual who won the Heisman and I'm the individual whose name, image, and likeness you want, then I'm probably that guy. Whereas Stetson Bennett, you're kind of a part of it, of the championship run, but you weren't the reason for it. So how do they kind of make that decision on who gets paid what, how, what what are the criteria? I think you're on the subtitle because think about this too. Like I used to have guys' uh, pictures on the the front of the, on the cover. I remember Reggie Bush being, uh, Reggie Reggie Bush's picture being, uh, likeness being on the front of of the cover. Like Kayla Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner, like, Hey man, I need a little extra. I yes. might need a five-figure deal. You know what I'm saying? For y'all to put my put my uh, my my name my nil on the front cover of this this video game because you know that's what's gonna sell. Like yeah. you know, like that's gonna bring back the the memories of because I know I grew up playing that game and I absolutely love playing college football and along with Madden as well. So I, I think this is gonna be very interesting how to see how they play it out. But you're definitely onto something as far as like. Hey, man, you know, we want to get some little extra change here. <laughs> interesting indeed. And hopefully we'll be having an interesting conversation because Spencer Strider will have dominated and that will allow the Braves to beat the Rangers and come back home on the winning note. So we'll talk about it tomorrow. And we will also talk about, of course, you know, we're going to download on Heat Celtics, but there might be something close, near and dear to our hearts that's going to go away. If you want to know what it's about, come back tomorrow. Absolutely. And and one more thing before we get out of here. Guys, if you don't do anything else in life, make sure that you share love, show love, and most importantly, spread love. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.